Welcome to the Eucharist Podcast with Wyoming Catholic College, responding to the call for Eucharistic renewal by sharing wisdom in God's country. I'm Jeremy Holmes, Academic Dean at Wyoming Catholic College. And I'm Kyle Washett, its President, and welcome to this episode. Kyle Washett is out of town this week. Uh, I am joined instead by Jacob Ramakers, who works with CORE, an outreach of Wyoming Catholic College. Uh, briefly, Jacob, for those who may not be tuned into this side of the college, t- tell us what CORE does. Yeah, so I'll just give a little bit of background on the program. So for for those of you that have listened before, you know about Wyoming Catholic College's outdoor program. Uh, we do a three-week backpacking trip for all the students uh, as they when they come in as freshmen and followed by uh, multiple outdoor weeks, as they're called, opportunities to go outside and do different activities. So um, basically we have this outdoor program and other programs started coming to us and saying, we want what you guys do with your college students with our seminarians um, or our youth group or our focus men's group, um, whatever it is. And and, um, so that started happening close to eight or nine years ago now. And, and now we've ballooned up to about 115 trips. So we, we're an outreach of Wyoming Catholic College that does kind of a similar thing um, to our outdoor program for other programs. Um, so that's the short story. And on that 21-day trip, uh, students have uh, priests that go out with them, and they have access to Mass uh, on Sundays. Uh, sometimes daily, depending on the availability of the priest. And um, this is a feature of what CORE does. Often we have priests going out on trips. And, uh, and so, Jacob, working, on, um, working with CORE, you have experienced the Eucharist outside in the wilderness many, many times. Uh, and I think for probably most people listening, um, the idea of the Eucharist taking place in the wilderness is is new. I, I doubt that many of our listeners have even one one example of that experience. So I I wondered if I could just uh, ask you this question: um, What would you say you have learned about the Eucharist by this experience of the Mass in the wilderness? Hmm. Yeah, I think the first first thing that I think of with the Eucharist in the wilderness um, is just the simplicity of the celebration of the Mass and the simplicity of the Eucharist. Um, and uh, you know, for for those of you who have never experienced an outdoor Mass, um, like myself before I came to college here. It's, it's very bare bones. You know, you're carrying something or a mass kit that, that's only a few pounds um, and very lightweight uh, vestments for the priest. And we just find a rock uh, to set up the altar and, and get everything set up on. So, so we just have mass in, in a very simple style. It's very austere. Uh, we don't have an organ, obviously. And so um, it is just a very simple experience to be with the Lord um, in the Eucharist in the wilderness. And I, I just see it as a way that the Lord comes to us in a very, in a very humble manner. 
um, he comes to us, you know, without uh, bells and whistles or, or without clothing, um, if you will, just in very simple style. And, and the Lord just greets us in, in like his poverty in the wilderness. Um, and yeah, you know, the, the opportunities that, that we've had to have mass in the wilderness have been beautiful. Um, and, you know, Jeremy, just thinking about the, just the question you asked of, um, of what I've learned, uh, by having the Eucharist in the wilderness, um, is just that like Christ comes to us in his simplicity and, and imagining, um, and, and being, you know, tuned into the reality that, that sometimes we're out there and we're having a holy hour, uh, with the Lord in the Eucharist and, and we're cold and the Lord is cold too. Um, and he's even less clothed. Uh, and it's just, he's just bare, bare in front of us. Um, now yeah. that what you're saying matches my experience exactly. Uh, you know, being um, you know, I I remember being out in the Wind River Range, uh, and uh, we're all kneeling just on rock and pebbles. Mm. You yeah. know, the it's very uncomfortable. There's a little bit of a wind blowing. We've got a rock set down on the things uh, at our you know quote unquote altar, which is also a rock, uh, just to keep things from blowing away. Um, and so, they, they, yeah, there, there's this, 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 this great simplicity, this great poverty, and yet at the same time, a feeling of immense richness in that uh, um, hey. uh, I, it, it dro- dro- drove home to me what John Paul II meant when he talked about uh, celebrating the Mass on the altar of the world, uh, that we look around and in a way... The, the Wind River Range has become our cathedral. The sky overhead is the roof. Uh, there's this vastness to the experience at the same time. And, you know, I remember the first time um, someone pointed out to me that Genesis 1 is implying that the world is a temple and that man is a cosmic priest. And it remained a notion, if you will, uh, until that day when I experienced my first mass in the outdoors, uh, where I realized this is the world offering itself up to God. Mm-hmm. Um, here, you know, this <laughs> we we we're doing the thing we've been put on this planet for. We we are the cosmic priest in union with Christ, the cosmic priest, and uh, and we're celebrating the offering of Him uh, here on the altar of this planet. Um, which is, you know, uh, not at all to say that, that outdoor mass should be the default experience. It's the, the, like the, the, the church is the, um, churches point us to the renovation of the world, to the, to the renewal of creation. Mm. Right. Uh, but, uh, so we don't want to think, think that Christ came for us to sort of settle down into the world as it is currently. Um, but nonetheless, this world is where we live right now, and it is the place from which we are offering ourselves. Um, so I, 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 just, I, I find it hard to wrap words around this combination of exactly what you said, simplicity and poverty, and great majesty and depth. I guess, like, if I could just jump on what you said earlier, um, just talking about the the sanctification of, of the world um, through the Eucharist, Right, like when we have when we celebrate the Eucharist inside of a church, 
uh, when we celebrate the Eucharist, like in that, um, in that place, uh, it's, it's a beautiful celebration, but there's also a sense in which like when we go outside, um, the Lord is, is a missionary to the world. And I think of the, uh, experience of, I wasn't on this trip, um, myself, but Cor did a trip in New Zealand and on that trip, Father Nathan Cromley basically wanted to hike up Mountain Doom, um, like the actual Mountain Doom and, and say mass. So the place where that scene was filmed in, in the, the Lord of the Rings. Okay, yeah. 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 So, um, so he wanted to hike up that mountain and, and say mass on the top of the peak and consecrate that peak to, uh, to the Lord. And this happens on tons and tons of our trips where it's like we, we hike a peak and we claim the peak for the Lord. Um, and I think it's just a beautiful way where like, you know, we're actually bringing the Lord to the corners of the earth, uh, in a very concrete way. Yeah. I mean, the, the um, people often see Eucharistic references in the Lord of the Rings, mm. uh, right? So that the, um, but, and, uh, there are you know, many sort of Catholic interpretations of this book by a deeply Catholic author, but it, so I'm sure that Tolkien himself would be immensely pleased at the notion of, uh, of, um, the reality of Catholicism just jumping into his story and uh, sort of claiming a part of it that way. That, right. that is beautiful. Um, what would you say is, is your most remarkable experience of sacraments in the outdoors? Mm. And what, what stands out in your memory? Yeah, what stands out, uh, I guess I'll share two different experiences uh, and moments. And the first is, will be kind of a kind of a grandiose moment, if you will, with, uh, with like one of the most beautiful masses. And the second would be, um, just a, a big movement in my interior and, and in the interior of a lot of uh, other people that I've seen. So the first was, um, we, I was, uh, both are, are on the same trip. So I was hiking with the CFRs, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal and, um, and we, basically woke up, um, woke up our first day and we were hiking through, uh, into a Canyon. And as we're hiking into this Canyon, we got off track. And so, so we had to park ourselves basically at the, at the rim of the Canyon. Um, so up pretty high and it was not an ideal camp spot. We actually got in at dark, so we didn't see anything, um, in the campsite. We couldn't see the view and, um, so the, the guys just thought like, well, maybe we're on a small cliff. And, uh, so anyway, we wake up the next morning for uh, mass in the dark and we had mass. And as father was saying mass, um, the sky turned pink. And, uh, during the consecration, the, the sun was just poking over the horizon. So it was just a beautiful moment of, um, you know, seeing the world come alive as the Lord comes alive in the mass, uh, kind of poetic, but, um, so that was, uh, just a fir the first, like, beautiful experience. Um, and let me just jump on something there. I'm yeah. sorry, as a theologian, I have to sort of, uh, um, uh, emphasize to our audiences in, in light of our prior episodes, uh, that awareness of the consecration adds to the experience, right? Uh, it can say, sound like a kind of, um, stuffy question. So exactly when does our Lord become present? Right. You know, like uh, you, one could, one could become obsessed with over precision there. And yet, 
awareness that it's at the consecration. That's when the miracle happens, um, sort of feeds into that moment and seeing that coincidence with the sun coming over right then. Um, and uh, it just, you know, the closer you know the mass, the more you can react to it, right? The more it can, the, 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 the more it can reach in and, and pluck your strings to play its melody, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah so I'm sorry, I, I interrupted. You, you were about to, to tell us about another experience. Yeah, I, you know, the second experience is something that, um, that I've experienced and that, that a lot of other people have experienced on trips. Um, is that like our encounter with the mass and and with the Eucharist in the wilderness, we're often just, you know, you look at the situation of where we're at, we've been backpacking for multiple days. Like we're not eating great food, maybe we're not sleeping super well because we're sleeping on the ground and it's cold and, and right, we wake up and we have mass and um, my, my very, at a very natural level, right, I'm tired, I'm impatient, uh, maybe I'm hungry, and um, and I'm bringing all these things to the Lord, and it's so different than like going to daily mass in a chapel, where you know I show up after having waken up an hour and a half early, drank my coffee, hopped in a warm car, and you know gone up to this nice nice chapel with a pew, um, and so it's it's a very different experience uh, of encountering the Lord, and you know I. I guess I've just learned that like um, prayer is not my own. Uh, prayer is something given by God. And sometimes all I can bring to the table is, you know, myself, my own heart in, in the weakest moments um, and in the, in the struggle. And sometimes I fall asleep, right? Sometimes I'm scattered. Sometimes I'm just thinking about breakfast um, and, and I'm angry. I'm, tired, whatever it is, um, I just very naturally bring those things to the Lord in the wilderness. And that is, I think, something that is a general effect of these wilderness trips is that it does, they do take away so many of the protective layers that we deploy so as not to deal with ourselves in the raw. Mm. Uh, we not only have sort of a mask between us and other people, we have a mask that we use even sometimes to fool ourselves uh, about how we're doing. And, um, uh, you know, on the 21-day trip, um, it, our students regularly find that after a while in the wilderness, it's kind of masks off, right? We've, we, we're seeing each other in a very um, authentic way, and we're also dealing with ourselves, you know, right? That, that impatience or that anger or, uh, you know, do I get tipped over the edge by being hungry? You know, uh, it, does it just take not having my coffee to turn into a monster? Um, that these these sort of hardships and the lack of you know the air conditioning or the or the, the central heating or the 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 nice thing to sit on, hmm. um, you know, they don't sound like that much in the abstract, but um, but they add up to um, to self knowledge and mm -hmm. and true community. Yeah, and just to jump off that, like it's beyond just am I comfortable versus am I not? But like, what do these comforts let us do? Like my coffee before my holy hour lets me be present, right? Let's me have like this, this certain focus and presence of mind. Legit. Yeah. And we take that away and it's like, what are we left with? Just like a scattered, tired Jacob. And, and same with the cold, like 
so so take my coffee away and make it really cold and and before in previous holy hours i'm sitting there i'm i'm caffeinated i'm awake i have my journal in front of me and my my warm hands and i just scribble away on the journal versus now i'm cold and and i'm left with with no no you know presence of mind um i don't want to break out my journal because my hands are freezing and um or maybe it's dark right and i can't even see what i'm writing um and so like like when we take these things away like what do we have to bring to the lord like we just have our hearts to bring to the lord um, no distractions no like sort of sort of legalistic prayer um nothing to i can't just fill the time with my my three different books that i'm reading and and the journaling and uh maybe the prayer card or whatever you know um so i take that structure away and i'm just left with a personal relationship yeah and I guess I'd just add, you know, and it, it's not only sort of what you're left to bring at the time, it's also what you bring back, mm. right? When you come back and then, okay, now I've had my coffee, I'm rested, right? And, and, and uh, I'm ready to, to focus and think clearly. And then you bring that wilderness experience back with you. Uh, I know, for example, for myself, um, uh, experiencing mass in the wilderness at the time um, didn't have, you know, all kinds of amazing biblical resonances, right? Totally. But then coming back and over time, I find myself appreciating more, um, you know, the book of Exodus where they have to cart the tabernacle along with them and mm -hmm. set it up and it's a tent and then they celebrate, they worship the Lord out there and they have to tear it down. And, uh, you know, um, I find myself uh, appreciating more sort of the manna in the wilderness kind of idea um, that there is a, um, uh, yeah, a, a, getting in touch as you were talking about with the, the poverty and the simplicity of that moment. Um, and, uh, and also, you know, um, the, uh, in subtler ways that are harder to wrap words around, um, our Lord in the wilderness, you know, going out to, to face his temptations. You know, you were just talking about sort of being in the wilderness, <laughs> facing a, a, a humbler set of temptations, you know, and, um, and then, uh, there you are in the wilderness and there's Christ with you. You know, he's, he's, uh, yeah, he's willing to come back to the wilderness uh, and, and, you know, so to speak, um, hold our hand as, as, as we do it, uh, we, as we go out into the wilderness. Thank you for listening to the Eucharistic Podcast at Wyoming Catholic College. To learn more about Wyoming Catholic College, visit wyomingcatholic.edu.